Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest is the founder of NIL Network, Michelle Meyer. Michelle started her career sharing her love for women's volleyball and sports with Pepperdine University, USA Volleyball, and Huddle, among others. Now, she's on a mission to create a platform that provides a wealth of resources surrounding collegiate athletes' ability to monetize their name, image, and likeness. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, of course. I'm looking forward to it as well. So can you share with us a little background on yourself and what got you started? Yeah, so as you mentioned, my whole career has been in volleyball, um, working for uh, or playing as an athlete at UC Santa Barbara and then coaching collegiately at Hawaii and Pepperdine and then USA Volleyball. And what really started me with NIL Network was when California passed SB 206 um, two years ago now, a little over two years. And it really started me thinking about you know name, image, and likeness reform. I always knew that it would eventually come and um, athletes would have those rights, but I never really anticipated it being from a state passing a law and forcing that onto the NCAA. So I thought it was just kind of a fascinating change and doing a lot of research around, you know, what would happen if um, the California's bill went into effect uh, without the rest of the states and how would the NCAA handle that. And fast forward um, a year ago when I started looking at name image and likeness reform again, I couldn't believe just how quiet it was around all the changes that were coming. And I think kind of due to COVID, everything getting pushed under the rug and we had no sports last year. So um, really trying to create NIL Network as a hub of all these resources where coaches, athletes, administrators could understand the, the change that was coming uh, this year. That's incredible. You know, two things. One, when it comes to the NIL industry, it is so important and invaluable that you actually lived it yourself. You know exactly what it's like in the role of the collegiate athlete. And then also on the other end as well. And what I found so incredibly unique about NIL Network is Content is king. I think we all know that. But I think the biggest part behind it is really the education. While the industry, of course, and it's it's phenomenal too that you've been a part of it for a couple years, um, for a couple years now, but it's still new and it's a blue ocean and people are still trying to get a grasp of exactly what it is. So instead of having consumers or audiences needing to go on this scavenger hunt just to try to figure things out. It's powerful to have a hub and a resource like what the NIL network is providing to help almost bridge the gap for the consumers to help better understand and help navigate the waters as well. Yeah, and I think uh, especially with this um, industry kind of just changing overnight, you know, with how it ended up with the NCAA uh, essentially on June 30th, just scrapping their, their rules around amateurism and punting it to the universities to um, make up their kind of regulations around it. It's it left athletes and then coaches and even athletic directors, I'm sure, pulling out their hair and trying to understand how to best serve their athletes, but also how to protect them and their eligibility. And you know, this this whole industry essentially switched overnight into a hundred million dollar projection in the first year. And I think that's so rare. And now we're dealing with with young people trying to navigate the space as well. It's, it's education is so so important, especially in the first couple of years. Completely agree. You know, actually, you touched on something there. When it comes to the actual young athletes that are going through this space, you know, sports in itself has so much power behind it. And you and I can attest to how invaluable it is, the skills that it can teach us. So I'd love to understand with your background, specifically in sports, 
what could you personally attest to with how sports can teach those transferable life and professional skills? Yeah, so I uh, I was actually just started reading a book yesterday that's called Athlete to Entrepreneur. And in the first part of it, the introduction, they're talking about how transferable all of our skills that we learn as young athletes and then the college athletes transfer into the business world. And that's saying things like, obviously, the time management, your discipline, um, teamwork and accountability. But I think also a big part of it is just not really taking no for an answer and kind of going after um, your different goals, striving to be the best person that you can be. And, you know, as, as an athlete, you're always working for that starting position. You're always working to uh, thrive on the court or on the field. And I think that that just really, really becomes part of being a small business owner or an entrepreneur and making those, uh, making those connections and just keep going. <laughs> You're completely right. I didn't even think about that too. I always thought of more of like the interpersonal skills, but it's almost just being part of the environment. The environment itself creates this, this uh, kind of sense of competition, this sense of belonging, this sense of community that you can't teach somebody. You just have to actually be a part of that experience itself. Yeah. And I think I was actually listening to one of your podcasts earlier and I forget the name of uh, the woman who was on it, but she was talking about <laughs> being competitive. And then I think getting told no, when she wanted to be a, I think it was a coach at a, a studio or a Pilates studio or whatnot. And she's like, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to start my own then because I'm not <laughs> something like I am that competitive that I'm not going to get told no, I will pivot slightly, but it's like, it's just getting after, you know, your goals and whatnot, um, I think is a really powerful lesson for, for athletes. Oh, completely, completely agree. Now I'm like going back through my mind. I'm like, oh, oh, yes, I remember that one. That's exactly it. Um, that's fantastic. And, you know, I'd love to also to pick your brain on what it looks like from a 30,000 foot view from just the entire industry, right? There's so many opportunities yet that we have left yet to untap when it comes to just doing better for the game. And because we understand that there's so much invaluable transferable life skills that we learn that we just touched on, what can we do to continue elevating the game so that way our future generations are able to reap those benefits as well? So I guess kind of said another way, do you see any challenges in the business of sports that have yet to be addressed that we should start thinking about? I think this is the uh, the million dollar question for the NCAA right now, um, as they're they're trying to figure it out as well. And really, when I was kind of thinking about this and going back to my days at, at USA Volleyball, I think one of the biggest challenges that I had while working there, um, and I worked for the national level office, so it was organizing you know camps, clinics, tryouts, the national team program for junior athletes age twelve to twenty five, and within USA Volleyball, we have forty different regions of. USA Volleyball that all kind of cater to their different areas. And I think this is kind of, it's translatable to what the NCAA is going through right now. Having a national body that's really trying to implement rules, like for example, in the beach volleyball world, it's very different for beach volleyball athletes coming out of a place like Nebraska, who potentially has two months a year where they're out there being able to compete on the court versus I'm in San Diego where you can compete and train year round. And so trying to it, trying to find something that works across the whole country and put it into a little box is incredibly difficult. And I think right now we're seeing that same challenge at the NCAA level where, you know, they, they've been around now for a century and um, football has grown in, in one way. Basketball has grown this way. All of our Olympic sports have grown here. And then you also look at the conferences and we have the, the power five, which are, 
pulling in hundreds of millions of dollars versus some of our smaller conferences. Like I played in the big West. It's, we're not a football conference. We're not making that same amount of money. And so trying to put like a, a top down kind of jurisdiction across the board of all sports, all conferences of the country, I think is potentially just, it's, been damaging and I think that there is a way to look at it even just a little off you know does beach volleyball need the same rules as football I don't know I think in terms of their scheduling and the different requirements um so looking at more almost like a bottom-up way for the NCAA and I think that they're potentially they say that that's something that they're looking at doing and you know giving more power to the conferences and and whatnot so I think we're going to be heading in that right direction but I think it's going to be another probably another decade or so before that really gets settled into kind of our new world of collegiate sports and what the NCAA looks like, because it's, it, it's going to change. Um, and I think significantly in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Wow. Goodness. I didn't even realize that as well. And I think it, correct me if I'm wrong too, but it almost just seems like championing accept accessibility and giving the autonomy to the respective conferences just because you're exactly right. The regions, the markets are completely different. And it's hard to have more so of this national, I don't know if it's right to say, but like national governing law sets or rules that everybody needs to necessarily follow when ultimately the sports operate so differently within their respective markets. That's that's exactly right. So I know that NCAA has quite a few meetings coming up and we get some mm-hmm. uh, a new look at it, I think, after the new year. But um, I think it's going to be a long really it's such an overhaul of how we've ran it for the past almost 100 years yeah thank you so much for shining a light on that i I didn't even realize and so thinking about then future facing or really what's quickly approaching to us us today it is nil which is exactly the world that you're operating now and it's wonderful to see how fast this industry has already grown even just in a time span of a few months and I'd love to shine a little light on more so the athlete entrepreneurs, which you actually just touched on. They're sound now, they're sound now, now to enter into the industry. And not only are they entering the industry, but they're creating their own category, for lack of better words. So I'd love to understand what are some of the challenges that you've experienced in being part of a newer industry as a whole? And how have you combated them so far? Yeah, so I think... Um... The biggest, I guess, challenge, but also what causes so much excitement is just how quickly this industry moves. Um, So there was, you know, the lead up to July 1st, which was a lot of state legislation as the states continued to to pass and put their laws into effect. Um, And post July 1st, it's really everyone trying to find their place in the market. Um, And from my perspective, since I'm I'm not necessarily like I I check the the athlete deals and I think that there's a lot of creative... um, space there and whatnot. But what's really fascinating to me is all of the companies um, and service providers that have popped up in this industry and then even monitoring them to see how they're kind of pivoting and shifting their business model while still keeping their North Star. So nothing absolutely drastic, but really um, because it's such a new industry. And so, for example, um, there's a ton of these digital marketplaces that are connecting athletes to brands who started out at a more like a national top-down type level saying, hey, we service all athletes across the country, all the brands create your profile, and you can come and connect with athletes all over the country. And I think even in the past month, what they've found is, you know, for those national brands and those kind of deals will probably be facilitated through more of a manager or a sports agent for those big-time athletes. That's going to be the 
0.05% of deals that are done. Um, but for all of the other athletes in deals, they're going to be more hyper-local um, for local businesses that want to engage with uh, their local university athletes. And so what we've seen just in the past month is these new kind of marketplaces pop up that are specific to either a region of the country um, or to a specific school. Like the University of Florida has three out there now between the Gator Collective and uh, Market Price and this other student athlete empowerment that are really just trying to connect local businesses uh, around University of Florida who want to work with those athletes. And so I think that that's such an interesting part of being in a new industry and something that's going to continue to kind of shift over probably the first couple of years as we understand what athletes are looking for, what brands are looking for, and then also what other opportunities um, athletes want to get uh, after outside of the social media marketing. So the entrepreneurship side, the coaching side, appearances, um, and how much of the market that'll make up moving forward as well. That's wonderful. And something that I just think thought about too is just how much opportunity there is still actually to untap. And what's interesting is that I actually get takes me back down to like my marketing, like my sole marketing days, where I was actually sectioning off all of our strategies into three, into three tiers. The first tier was national marketing efforts. The second one was our co-op or regional. And then the third was hyper-local. And what's interesting about that tiered model is that it really incentivizes both part both parties. For the brand, it gives them an opportunity to engage with athletes regardless of the level of business that they're at. I'm mean, everybody could really be involved in some form or fashion. And then for the athlete side, even if you are looking for something more of a hyper-local level, it gives you an opportunity to be able to grow yourself, grow your brand, grow your grow your NIL and um, really position yourself to be someone that could potentially be national if that is something that they're wanting to do. Yeah. And I think um, on that same note, something I really encourage college coaches to do is educate your alumni about this new opportunity to work with your athletes, because within your your pool of however many alumni that, that looks like, you're going to have a handful of small business owners that were really priced out of potentially being a big time sponsor at the university level. They don't have tens of thousands of dollars for their to like give to their marketing efforts at a school, but I guarantee that they would be absolutely excited to work with current athletes and potentially not even for social media marketing. Do they have an internship opportunity? And like, this also goes back and this is before NIL days, but I graduated from UC Santa Barbara um, and I, the assistant coach there is also a volleyball player. So I know him pretty well. And, a couple of years ago, he initiated this kind of alumni um, connection that it was more of like a mentorship program where he would connect um, current athletes with alumni who had small businesses, were entrepreneurs, or in the field that the athlete was studying. And it's really, it, it was whatever you wanted to be. So like I had a, a young athlete that I met with, you know, every, every couple of weeks, once a month or so, just to see how she was doing, how she wanted to go into marketing and whatnot, and trying to set her up with Kind of like mini little projects or things that um that could kind of just be a part of something and i thought that that was such a cool um program that he kind of initiated and now there's so much other opportunity to get the athletes involved and get them real life skills that they'll utilize after graduation oh you're so right there's so much there's so many opportunities outside of just the sport itself but there's a whole business behind it too 
And thinking about the NIL, if I try to make it in its most simplistic form, it is about creating those strategic, authentic partnerships between the brands and the collegiate athletes. So in your perspective, how would you recommend brands to strategically think about identifying the right and authentic collaborations? I think kind of like we've mentioned before, that it's really important for for brands to think through, like, what are the goals of their campaign? Are they um, are they looking for sales? In that case, they probably want a pretty influential, bigger time athlete that, you know, and if, even if they're a local business, somebody who is on the court, that's in the news, that kind of thing. Um, are they looking to just throw their support behind their alma mater or their, you know, the, the team that they really like to watch and whatnot? Then they could probably consider a full team deal. Um, or is it really about kind of their, their brand affinity and just growing um, what it means to be, you know, a partner with XYZ company. Um, and I think that that is other opportunities as well. Like we've seen some companies, oh my God, there's so much opportunity for these companies to get national press actually for doing kind of smaller deals. And I think that's where they're getting most of their ROI from. But like, you know, there was a, um, who was it in Florida, uh, Florida Panthers that gave a sponsorship deal to all of the female athletes at FAU. And I'm like, okay, like that brand is supporting female athletes. And I think that whatever their ROI, like actually from those athletes having, I think they probably have a affiliate link or whatnot, um, isn't as important as the national press that they got showing that their brand supports those athletes. Um, and so, yeah, I think just working through kind of some of those different angles of, of what they're looking for from their campaign and going for it. That's exactly it. It's really about creating authenticity by putting your purpose, putting your mission, vision, and values at the forefront of everything that you're doing. And everything will come after that. And I've always liked to say that, you know, if you don't put the ROI, if you don't put the money, the investment at the forefront, and you actually are just incredibly intentional about why you're doing something in the first place, everything, the performance will naturally come. So when it comes to, you kind of just touching on as well about how some brands are really putting their mission at the forefront, I'd love to understand if you had any thoughts on how brands could best utilize NIL to promote diversity, equality, and inclusion principles. Yeah, and I think with this this industry being so new, there is a great opportunity to do this right. Um, And I think that a lot of companies and a lot of brands who have been the early adopters of NIL and have jumped in have understood that. And they have really incorporated some very cool initiatives. Uh, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, I think that... uh, degree deodorant had another one that was like that the athletes had to apply to be part of it tell their life story and what made them um I don't exactly what the tagline of the campaign was but like they were they were building the campaign off of these athletes I think they chose 10 that have kind of challenging life stories and I thought that that was very cool there's some other ones that again are incorporating female athletes um and it's so far in my mind I think it's been done mostly right. And I think it's important though for the first couple of years to really set the tone um, and the stage for what NIL looks like because it's right now is that opportunity to do it. That's exactly it. And something that you really just touched on as well is how important it is that not only should the brand be authentic about their own mission, vision, and values, but they also need to be player centric. They need to be athlete centric and really put the athlete first. And that's interesting. It's so interesting because that's exactly what the NIL network is doing as well. And I'd love to understand, can you talk a little bit about what it means to be an athlete first business model? Yeah. So um, over the past year, I've been meeting with these uh, 
founders of NIO companies. I think I've probably met around 100 now, maybe over 100. And um, it's so interesting to me to hear, you know, all of them, of course, saying this is what we are for the athletes, by athletes, for athletes, by athletes. We are athlete first. We're athlete driven. And what I'm really trying to pull out with NIO Network is like, if if this is the case, let's 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 do it then. Let's put together this network. Let's come together to build resources for these athletes. And again, kind of going back to the previous question about how um, brands can select athletes for their uh, campaigns and whatnot, it's kind of a similar idea of building their brand affinity by contributing to NIL Network, giving resources, giving value to these athletes so they can successfully navigate them, regardless if they're actually moving forward. And, and I go back to these digital marketplaces. There is a ton of them out there, and athletes cannot possibly be on all of them. But I really think that the the businesses that are, those marketplaces that are building their, their model of providing educational resources, making sure that athletes understand, even if they're not on their platform, is going to be crucial to their um, their business success moving forward. So um, for me, really, the, the athlete um, business model is making sure that you're not just saying it, but you're actually doing it and providing and understanding that it's not all about these um, revenue-generating sport athletes that are going to be fine. Like, what about the other 490,000 NCAA athletes? How can we best support them? That's that's incredible. And I completely agree. And it would be safe to assume too that when brands are starting to think about creating their own NIL strategy or being able to create their own partnership strategy, is there something that you would recommend of, I guess, a process that they should undergo or maybe how they should externally or outwardly communicate why they're going through a specific partnership or who they're trying to target when it comes to a partnership, anything along those lines? I think that, again, just them understanding what is, what are they doing this campaign for? And is it something that they're looking to, to build their brand? Are they getting into a certain market? Um, and then kind of going from there, what, I, what I've seen that's been interesting from a lot of universities is they're starting to actually build a page out on their websites that are showing athletes that want to engage in NIL activities and either linking to their, their social medias or telling a bit of their story and what makes them uh, stand out kind of from the roster. And again, like it's we're now four or five months into NIL. So it seems that every week there's a new trend or something that universities are doing or that brands are doing or that these companies are doing. And it's um I think everyone's kind of experimenting right now and trying to figure out what that best process looks like. Um but yeah, I think that and I'll I'll lead back to my website real quick here. If there are any brands that are listening, I do have a um a tab up there that is like my must reads of NIL per week. And there's a section for brands that I list kind of like cool brand initiatives that I've seen um, that I think can provide just some guidance and the creativity that some of these brands have done early on. Um, yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, speaking of NIL network, future facing, any exciting things coming up that we can expect from you? Yeah. So really my goals with NIL network um, is to be the hub of NIL resources. So I want to be the place that when athletes have questions about they're going, hey, I need help with my taxes. Who is a tax account that's working in the NIL space? They can pop on there, filter by tax accounts or attorneys or brand development services, sports agents, whatever they're, they're looking for. I want to provide a comprehensive and really like a safe, trusted resource um, that is objective uh, that they can they can go to and find some of those service providers that will help them to navigate NIL. 
Um, so I'm working on building out. I have a couple databases up there right now, but building them out to a more comprehensive level. I want to put a rate and review aspect to them eventually. Um, even though it's kind of it's kind of scary to do, I know that uh, rate and review directories don't make you a lot of friends. But I think it is the necessary resource for these athletes and the right thing to do, and for administrators and coaches as well as they try to navigate this moving forward. So, um, really working on on building that out. Also have a new events tab up there for upcoming webinars that are free for athletes, coaches, administrators to make sure they put them on their radar and calendar. Um, yeah, so it's just, again, if anyone has any ideas of what kind of NIL resources they're really lacking, like I am open to kind of aggregating and pulling things together as I see best fit to support athletes. So. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so excited for this. So anybody out there, if you are interested, NIL industry is such a blue ocean, so many different opportunities coming up, and I'm excited to be able to see the future collaborations as well. Well, final question for you. Uh, if you could give advice to a young woman that is desiring to be a future entrepreneur, what would you share with them? Um, I think be okay running into a wall over and over again. <laughs> um, I really feel like, I mean, this past year, there's been, you know, always keeping the North Star, but being okay with pivoting and continuing to talk to people, build your network and really work on listening. Because I think that, I am still very new to the entrepreneurial space, but it is wild how many different, you know, how many different elements of starting a business there really are and that you can't be an expert in all of them. But there are people out there that want to help you, that want to watch you succeed, really. And so the more you can be okay with, you know, being told no, but being given advice that you can take into account, but also trusting that North Star, I think is, um, it's a lot but it's fun and it's exciting. So I would definitely encourage it um, in taking those risks. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you, Michelle, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out NIL Network to learn more about navigating the industry of name, image, and likeness. Looking to hear more about what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.